So since I have my bachelor in economics, that advertisement told me that there is a market elasticity for professions that has relation with money lending. So from there, I started to find out how I can find a profession in this industry. It took okay, me- Okay, if Canadians want to be in debt, I will help them get in debt. I am the girl to do that. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Welcome to Allenby Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, I talk to a broker who's making waves in the industry to find out how they're succeeding in today's competitive market. Today, I have Naz, the broker, on my show. And Naz has a very interesting story of her personal journey moving from Dubai to Canada and how she decided to get into the mortgage business. She talks about how basically oversell a client, how she ended up losing that client. And we talk about how being a broker is a lonely profession. And I share my thoughts, at least on what I would do if you don't have an office, but you'd like to be in an office, I'm going to share what I would do that would actually get me business instead of probably distract me. So that's just my own personal thoughts on that. Naz initially worked on a couple offices doing some recruiting things. And then now most recently in the last sort of six months, decided to plunge in full-time into being a mortgage broker. And yeah, it's a great conversation. Check it out. Also, in my Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage about three areas brokers can find money that they probably didn't think about. Before we jump into this episode, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, and submission platform. Very easy to use. It's built for mortgage brokers. And so it's got a couple of cool things. First, it's got smart docs. So when the client's filling out the app, it's figuring out what documents they need. It's got smart submission notes. So when you go to hit submit, it knows what key data that needs to be pulled out of the application to put into the submission. And it's got connection to lender spotlights. So you can search all the rates, all the guidelines. And even when you go to hit submit to the lender, it'll pull up and say, hey, by the way, let you know when you're sending it to this lender, are you aware of these policies? It's pretty freaking slick. You can check them out at lendesk.com slash Finmo. Book a free demo. They'll give you a tour. I think you're going to love it. Check it out and check out this episode. Hey, Naz, welcome to the show. Hi, Scott. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very thankful. Yeah, no, I'm excited to have you. I always see you on social media, Naz the Broker, and I'm always like, that's just a cool name. So tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. I was born in Tehran, moved to Dubai, and then moved to Toronto. And why yeah. Toronto? Because Toronto was the only city in Canada that had direct flight from Dubai to Canada. But what made you want to even leave Dubai? What was the thing that prompted you to look at coming to Canada? I had one child. I was pregnant with the second one and I needed to move somewhere that give a better life to my kids. Dubai is a great city. Everything is awesome. But I learned so many things from Canada that Canada is the best place to raise a child. So I sacrificed my (laughs) career, my business, and I moved to Canada to give a better life to my children. Hopefully someday they go, thanks, mom. You know, kids, I don't know. At some point, maybe. Okay, so how did you end up in the mortgage business? So you move here. You told me before you had some businesses in Dubai. You wrap those up, sell them, whatever. Move to Canada. Why mortgage broker? What got you here? So I came to Canada pregnant, alone, with an 11-year-old child. We must leave. And in order to survive, I needed to find something I could do in a flexible time to care those children And at that time, there was an advertisement in radio, and it was said that, do you know what? Canadians are known for three things, 
being nice people, loving hockey, and being in debt. So since I have my bachelor in economics, that advertisement told me that there is a market elasticity for professions that has a relation with money lending. So from there, I started to find out how I can find a profession in this industry. It took okay, me- Okay, if Canadians want to be in debt, I will help them get in debt. I am the girl to do that, right? I'm just yeah. kidding. Okay, so you chose that. And then so your career was sort of a bit of I mean, you're now full time, you're brokering, but you had done a couple other things in between. So tell me a little bit about like, your initial sort of foray into the mortgage space, being that you're new to the country, right? Did you know English before you came here? Did you learn English when you got here? No, I knew English because I lived in Dubai. English is speaking over there as much as Arabic. I had my master in Dubai. So my master degree was in finance and I studied in English full. So I had no problem English, but I had no idea what is the work culture here. And with two kids, imagine being all alone by myself with two kids, I couldn't go a nine to five job. It was not possible for me. And I had business over there in Dubai that those businesses were alive up to 2018. So still I had some money come. So you could survive, if you weren't, mortgages were not, you know, they weren't paying the bills yet, you could live off the money from the other businesses. Exactly. And I thought that, okay, let's use this time, build something and survive. Okay. And then for a brief stint, you worked in kind of like recruiting and tell me about that. So you were like doing, I won't get into any company names and stuff, but like, Tell me about, you were kind of doing more administrative recruiting stuff. What were you doing there? You know, I started first part-time in this industry. Then I found out that, no, the part-time don't take me anywhere. So I started being a full-time mortgage agent. Then at that point, I switched to be a recruiter for the broker that I was working with them. It was a successful position and I did an amazing job over there. I learned very much, but it was not what I was looking for at the time that I was joining to this industry. So I changed to become a full-time broker. During this time, you know, I'm in Ontario. So in Ontario, we have mortgage agents. We do have mortgage broker. It took the time for me. I completed my broker course. I became a broker and then I started full-time brokering and joined right. Europe. Yeah. So was there any point that you question, you know, is this the right industry for me? Did I make the right choice? Any of those moments? Yes. Uh, you know, it was difficult. It was difficult at first. But whenever I felt that I'm on the right path, I remember that Jim Rohn once said that don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. Don't wish for less challenges, wish for more wisdom. And I try to work harder on myself. Right. I love that quote, Jim Rohn. What a guy. So, okay, because it is definitely more challenging. Most people, they're surprised at the... It seems like it shouldn't be that hard, but like it's difficult to get clients, then convert them. There's a lot you have to learn how to do. And then you learn how to underwrite. So for you, what was the most challenging? Was it finding business? Was it working on the files? I'm curious. At first, it was both because uh, I was new to this country and I had no idea in this industry where to start, where to end. Where is the start point? Where is the finish point? So at first, it was really difficult for me. But by the time and after I joined your program, right now, sales is not a thing that I have struggled with. But the underwriting still is a big challenge. Right. Okay. So 
Yeah, because like as much as you can study underwriting, you really doesn't stick. I don't believe until you actually look at files and get real, you know, because there's nuance. And if it was one plus one is two, they could use software to underwrite, but they can't. There's gray. There's like interpretation. And and obviously banks want to fund as many mortgages. Lenders want to fund as many mortgages as possible. And if you make it one plus one is two, there's going to be a lot of mortgages that you're going to just say no to that you could do with a little bit of like, hey, go give me some extra paperwork. Go do this. Right. So can you think of like a file that when you first started out that you're like, oh, my gosh, I mishandled that file. And now if I were to get that same one, what I would do different. Yeah, I do remember that once a prospect client called me to help him with a second mortgage to do something for his business. And I started to tell him that, yeah, if you're planning to buy a franchise, then we can help you with the business loan and we do commercial mortgages and this you know overwhelmed him with so much unnecessary information and he thanked me a lot and uh, never called me back right right yeah you know one of my sales coaches years ago said to me like you solve 10 things with what you're selling but the client says these are their two problems just talk about the two problems because otherwise like you said overwhelm them right so you had come into our coaching program you've taken some of the 10 a month training so for you what was your kind of biggest takeaway what's helped you the most from a 10 loads a month academy the program to me was like handing me the map to the disneyland i don't know if you ever visited the disneyland or not if you don't have a map you don't know from where to start where to go and how to finish although that you spend a lot of money over there that visit will be useless for this is same thing for me in this industry i spend a huge amount of my time in this industry But without the program, I couldn't know that where to start and what is the next step, second step, third step. It showed me everything in the steps. And it was like someone shared with me that whole story, whole scenario of the movie. What I saw in this industry was like that you see a movie, a part of one episode, not the whole movie. You see a clip from a movie and you got to try to make sense. And you're like, where are we at? How do we get here? And, you know, where does it go from here? Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So you said a map to Disneyland, right? Yes. Yeah, Disneyland. Yeah, it definitely. Those places are like, you know, one of the interesting things about Disneyland is that they've done studies on what people remember. You go spend, and you see people, they're not always like, it's the happiest place on earth. But sometimes parents are like, oh my gosh, I'm tired. It's hot, standing in line. And mm-hmm. the only things people remember three to six months later is the peak, a high moment, and the end. There's this thing called the peak end rule. So their kid met Mickey and he's so excited. They forget all about the standing in line. It's the same thing in the mortgage business. Yeah. Lots of stress. You get them the mortgage, they're happy. And then what happens at the end is important. So exactly. I think that's very true. So knowing what you know now, I guess, what would you do different if you were starting over? Invest in myself more. Invest in myself more. And, you know, before doing anything, you know, I got my certificate. I was rushing to join a brokerage to start it. But If today somebody come to me and says that I just got my certificate, I tell that take your time, give yourself three, four months and learn how the industry work and then start the business. Because if you don't do that, it will not be helpful for you. You need to know that where you are going. If you don't know, it is impossible to be successful. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So there's this great quote that I remind myself of every day. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So Navy SEALs, you obviously want to move quickly, but the trick is to be smooth, right? Yes. So slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So you're basically want to make sure that you go and sometimes people get going too fast and then they make decisions that are hard to unwind. So let me ask some rapid fire questions if you like. So what's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? I love dancing. 
and singing. Nice. Do you have a certain style of dance? No. No. No, not certain style, no. But whenever I hear a singing song, I will dance. This is right. something that I can do. Yeah. And then what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? Life is Beautiful by Roberto Benini. All right, I've heard of that movie. What's three software programs you couldn't run your business without? Zoom, DocuSign, Canadian Mortgage App. Yeah. And what's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? If you don't believe in yourself, who will? Yeah, that's totally. Who told you that? My first mentor, he told me that. Okay. Yeah, it's true. Because if you don't believe in you, I'm not going to believe in you. I'll be like, yeah. you don't seem to believe it. So why should I believe it? So it kind of goes back to mindset, right? Making sure you have the right mindset. And so what would you say your biggest challenge is when it comes to like being part of a brokerage or a network? This industry is a very, very lonely industry. So it is not my biggest challenge, but this is a challenge that I like to work around people that they are from the same industry that I'm working with, like uh, brokerage that they are working with realtors. They have one hop, realtor go over there when they want to work together. And uh, it is all flexible for them. We don't have this opportunity in this mortgage industry. I wish that we had a hop that the mortgage agents, mortgage broker, even from different brokerage, they can get together and work at the time that they want to be around each other. It is very helpful. I joined a club. It's a boss lady club. That um, yeah. It's a very nice club for all of us. And uh, it was very helpful that we had it for one quarter. We had this gathering every two weeks. We talk about that, what we did during the past two weeks and how we boost our business. I can say that it was absolutely amazing and it helped my business very much. Right. Yeah. We do change best in community. And so some brokerages do have physical offices. And so that's an option for you if you're like, hey, if you found the right fit. The other thing, I mean, I think that for me anyway, is that, you know, if I want to be around people, I love places like WeWork or these offices that are shared where there's a community baked in because it's cool to hang out with other mortgage brokers, but they're not really going to be your clients. My thinking is I can hang out with other mortgage brokers online. I can pick up the phone. But if I can hang around other people that have businesses that they're growing and that are in totally different industries, my network is significantly multiplied. So, you know, Loren, who works for me, she has a, it's called Work Nicer. It's kind of like a WeWork. So it's all these cubicles and there's offices. And there's all these, and she's met so many amazing people there. When she got married, the person who made her cake was somebody she met at this office. And she doesn't even go there every day, but like it created a baked in community. So if I'm a mortgage broker and I'm like, hey, I want a community, I love that as a, community. One of the cool things I've seen recently is Staples. So here in my town, they're trialing the Staples is a huge building with office supplies, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the people are buying stuff online. So what they did was they turned this Staples into a part office. 25% of it is now office and workstations, and they have 300 members. So 300 people go in there and they've got a coffee bar and they've got like, so, and that could be 299 people that are probably in different industries than you. That is a great place to hang out because now you're like, hey, what do you do? Oh, this is what I do. Like if I was trying to build a community, I would build it around that. And then I would personally build my mortgage community around a small group of people that, you know, because it is a lonely business. But that's just my thoughts. I think this Staples place, I think they're going to copy this everywhere. I think that this is going to be something that like in a very short period of time, they've added a lot of members and in all different industries. I think it's a great idea for a mortgage broker. If you want to have a built-in network, you know, put it this way, whatever the cost is, you'd more than make that back in 
business from meeting people that you wouldn't have met otherwise. So it's yeah. basically free, right? Like that's the way I think, and you probably come out ahead of it, you know, so that's just a thought. I mean, and then it's good to, if you have some other people, like in terms of the community part, it's good if you had like a small group of people that you could just get together with periodically and share the ups and downs and what's working and what's not working. I think that's useful too, but yeah, that's interesting. And as it's been awesome to chat with you, I'm so glad that, you know, you're finding your sweet spot in your groove and where can people find you online? My Instagram, Nas the Broker, and also they can email me at you at lucky.mortgage. You at Lucky Mortgages? Mortgage. Mortgage. Okay. Thanks again for coming to chat with me. I appreciate it. And keep crushing your business, Naz. Thank you so much, Scott, for calling me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. All right, thanks again for listening to this episode with Naz. If you're a new mortgage broker, I can tell you that the absolute best place for you to get your business going is at rookie2rockstar.ca. We have a fantastic community that helps mortgage brokers build referral-based businesses faster than anywhere else on the planet. Go check that out and check out this segment where I talk to Tom about areas you can find money. Hey, Tom, welcome back to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, happy to be here. So, hey, let's talk about three areas where people can find some more additional leads right now. I've read recently in the U.S., purchases are down 21% over the last year, and this is U.S. numbers, and refis are down 75%. 75. So keep in mind down there that like the higher rates yeah. are going to pretty much kill the refi business. So number of units has gone down for mortgage brokers, and you know, you've got some ideas on what you're seeing successful brokers are doing to keep themselves busy. So let's jump mm-hmm. into that topic. Yeah, and I think this really comes from you know, a lot of people we talk to today. They say, okay, well, you know, it's not what it was in 2021 where I just, you know, trying to stay afloat here. Now, this process, I want to make sure that nothing's falling through the cracks, right? So that's what we're hunting for today is trying to find some of those cracks that could exist and how to address or, those. Or maybe yeah. no file left behind. No, no file no, left behind. That would yeah. Be better I'll, than talking about, you know, say no to cracks. Crack. Of course, you say <laughs> no to crack. Crack is bad for you. You don't smoke crack, do you, Tom? I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't uh, ask. That's an appropriate question to ask on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no file left behind. Let's stick with that there. Yeah, but, no file uh, left behind. Okay. Yeah, I love it. we're going to okay. use that one. So, yeah. So, first and foremost, you know, the one that I think is the quickest one and the one that I see a very quick improvement in terms of not leaving files behind is just the pre approvals, right? I think that, you know, in the past couple of years, Pre-approvals didn't mean so much, you know, you just kind of did them and then maybe you hope that they did call you. Maybe you hope they didn't call you because you were just so busy, you didn't have time to do another file. There was a lot of that for sure that yeah. they were just feeling overwhelmed. Exactly, exactly. And so now I think that that's the prime opportunity there where you're doing those maybe still same pre-approvals, maybe a little bit less, but now you want to really increase that conversion rate through the pre-approval process. And so really it's not too complicated of a thing, but it's just having that intentionality with it of making sure that you're staying in touch, making sure you're communicating what it means when rates change, because that's all over the headlines and making sure people know what it is. And also being proactive as it relates to rate hold expires, right? Making sure people understand what that means again for them and how to go through the process. So it is, like I said, things that make sense to a lot of people, but it's just building that into your process, making it a more regular part of your client journey. Right, right. It makes a lot of sense. You know, one of the things I found to be very helpful with pre-approvals is pick a day of the week where you reach out to your pre-approvals and switch up the modality. So one week, phone them, next week, email them, next week, text them. You know, sometimes you'd be sitting on 30, 40, 50 pre-approvals, depending on your business size. And so it's a great way to, you know, if you have that easily to see, you just like, okay, this week it's all 
emails. This week it's all, you know, I'm going to make phone calls or I get somebody in my team and mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. don't let any file slip through the cracks, as you say. Okay, what's the second kind of point on this or second place where people leave files behind? Yeah, so I think the next one I kind of call is the concept of a lost lead, right? So again, kind of today, what I'm hearing more and more is people saying, okay, hey, do you know what? Thanks for doing my application, you know, getting me maybe pre-approved or whatever it might be to taking that meeting with me, but I'm just waiting. You know, things are unstable. I don't know where it's going to land. I want to wait. I'm not ready to move forward with a refi or a purchase or whatever it might be. And how I kind of say it is wait with them, right? You know, they are waiting, but you still want to be providing services as they're waiting. So be in that waiting room with them, if you will, and just provide value-add services. So keep them up to date with what's going on in the market, remind them of, you know, what options are available to them and just kind of stay on top of those things. Don't just say, hey, as soon as someone says, hey, I'm not ready, I'm not interested, they just go into a, you know, Siberia where you'll never see them yeah, again. Yeah, you never those see are- them again. <laughs> Take them out back. And I remember yeah. watch, one time watching Kevin O'Leary on, you know, that show Dragon's Den or whatever. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Shark Tank. some guy comes yeah. in with yeah. Shark Tank. He comes in with a, it's to wash shopping carts. And it's like this okay. machine. And he's yeah. like, I'm gonna, and it sounds great. No, he's like, listen, he's like, how much money do you spend on this? That's all I say is, look, I'm going to take it, beat it flat with a hammer, bury it in the backyard and never think of it again. <laughs> That's what some people do to their lost files. They literally beat them flat with a hammer, bury them in the backyard. But the truth is, is that there's an never opportunity seen, yeah. in there and mm-hmm. either through a drip campaign, which is easy to do through you guys, or mm-hmm. even just targeted reaching out to folks. If you have a team member, put them on that, like get your team member to be reaching out. Yep. It doesn't have to be you. You know, a lot of the like big, you think of Salesforce and these companies, they have account executives and they have, what do they call them? Sales development. Like and SDR, yeah. Sales, SDR, development, sales development rep. rep. So yeah. the sales development rep is really the person who gets the lead and then hands them off to the account executive. Mortgage brokers don't tend to do that. We tend to do both. But sales mm-hmm. development reps make account reps more money because they can climb through the hundreds of you know non-quality leads to find the dozen that are good and then hand them off. So you can have your team do the same for you. Yep. You can have a team member do it. So I think that's a good Work point. That, okay. yeah. So we said first one was pre-approval. Second is lost leads. Where's the third yep. kind of area where files get left behind? Yeah. The final one file left behind is just the renewals. And, you know, it's something that I talk about a ton as it relates to CRM. And it's something that we've talked about on this podcast for sure before, but I think it is worth re-mentioning just because, well, two reasons. One, I'm still shocked at the number of people I talk to say, hey, you know what, I don't have any kind of thing as it relates to following up with my renewals. They just kind of come and go and it is what it is. You know, it's shocking. So, you know, just kind of reiterating how important that is. And it's really the lowest hanging fruit. But then also just kind of putting yourself in the shoes of that borrower with some of these crazy headlines that probably are overblown in some cases. But to put yourself in that person's shoes. Yeah, crazy headlines. Okay. But, you know, putting someone that's read that headline who's freaking out and knowing their renewal is coming up. If you can be that person who reaches out, you can put their mind at ease, tell them that this is what it means for your renewal and that, you know, the sky isn't falling. You know, you just take on that role of a trusted advisor, which is, you know, exactly what you want to be building those long-term relationships. And so being able to be proactive with those renewals, be that person that they trust and can guide them through this uncertain time. There's a ton of value there. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with the headlines. So I saw a post because I'm in Kelowna, <laughs> okay. and they had single family homes price drop for the first time in whatever 18 months. It was like 1% drop or like it was like literally nothing. <laughs> and, and it was like, yeah. but of course, you have to read the entire article to catch that. And catch the 1%. Yeah. Yeah. And most people don't read Basically the Basically stable. Yeah. What they do is yeah. they freak out, right? Yeah, it's insane. And so because people, they just read the headline and they're like, ah, this is why you can't trust real estate. It's like, oh my God. 
you know what? You can't trust your ability to do any research is the problem. In any case, <laughs> I agree with you on yeah. renewal. So is that it's going to be yeah. another one of those opportunities for brokers coming up in you know this next 18 months and getting ahead of them early because they are. Exactly. Yeah. yeah get early. Maybe they're like, Hey, I actually want to do a rental. I want to do this, whatever. So, all right. So let's recap this whole no file left behind thing. Yeah. No, the file left behind now more than ever. Right. And I think it's all the stuff we've talked about before, but having a more concerted effort, being intentional with it, setting up the systems to really kind of nail these three areas and what those are your pre-approvals, right? These people you've done work for already who already trust you see on top of them, the lost leads, the people who are a bit, you know, shaky, not sure where it's going to go, you know, wait with them. If they're going to wait on the market, wait with them. And then for those renewals, people who, again, maybe are a bit worried based on headlines about what's going on, be the one who puts their mind at ease and guide them through that renewal process and be proactive, be early, like you said, Scott. So those three areas, pre-approvals, lost leads, renewals, and no file will be left. I was about to say crack, but we're saying yeah, no say file no left to behind. Crack <laughs> say no to it's crack. bad for your brain cells and also no file left behind. So if you guys yeah. are listening to this, Tom is an amazing company, Blue Mortgage, and they have a CRM solution that integrates and talks to everybody, all the other platforms that are out there. Very easy to use and get set up. You can check them out at bluemortgage.ca, blues with no E. No, we and ain't. Tom and his team can help you out. Thanks, Tom, for chatting with me, buddy. And I think you're totally spot on with this. Leave no files behind in the next 12 to 18 months. You're going to want everyone, everyone possible to get it closed. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thanks again for listening to this podcast where I talked to Tom as well as Naz. Hopefully you got some ideas to help you grow your mortgage business. If you're listening to this, I would encourage you to go check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com. Set up a free power search account. You can keyword search all the past episodes. It's totally free. Check it out at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. And thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.